Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good morning and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is Sunday, May the 11th, 2014, and I'll be live here for the next hour. We were scheduled to have Josh Wiley on the show, but it looks like his alarm has failed him this morning. And yes, Josh, I did just call you out on live radio. So there you go. We are streaming live on a couple of different streams, so thank you for streaming us, uh, JREV Radio and uh, LMR Radio. Thank you so much for streaming us live. And um, yes, so welcome to Mother's Day, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And for anybody that um, is wondering, yes, my uh, my wife, the newly um, crowned mother, is enjoying her Mother's Day right now we got our blessing she only wanted to sleep that was the only thing she wanted and luckily our daughter complied last night and we got some good sleep so we're all ready to rock and roll here at the house so thank you so much for joining us and let's talk about the info that we're going to get into today um was going to get into a little bit of the satanic mass that's supposed to be practiced over at uh, harvard which is kind of interesting in and of itself, and it will um, it will definitely make for some great conversation, especially if you um, if you understand the occult, if you understand, um, or if you've done any research on what Satanism is. This is a a relatively, and I know that a lot of people are going to be might be upset about this, but let's just look at the facts. The way that this is being presented is it is a truly satanic ritual in the fact that they don't believe in any sort of cosmic uh, interaction with human beings, that it's all basically uh, you have free choice is the way that they would look at it. So yes, of course, uh, the Christian community will be upset about this, but if you're looking at it from a surely um, logical perspective, it is nothing more than people that don't believe in organized religion or don't believe in any kind of afterlife whatsoever, and nor do they believe in anything interacting with us on a spiritual plane. It is just uh, strictly knowledge that will that will push you through. And if you understand the, the satanic version of the Bible, it will, it will portray Lucifer or the Luciferian um, as the intellectual bringing intellect to Adam and Eve, and they look at God as the enslaver of humanity, keeping you on the reservation inside of the Eden that he has created for you to give you everything that you need and as long as you do what he tells you to do within these certain laws. Once again, this is not my religious preference. This is exactly what the religious um, practices of the the Satanists really do believe. They also believe in do what thou wilt because they don't believe there's going to be any consequences. And if you really do study the the teachings of Luciferian um, Satanism, uh, a lot of Americans are actually Satanists. So we'll get into that here in a little bit. And also we're going to talk about the, the kidnapping in, in uh, Nigeria, why that's such a, a big issue and why. It has been overlooked in the past where we've had the exact same thing going on by U.S. corporations and the U.N. and all these other groups where they would kidnap women and they would sell them into slavery, and now it's a big issue. So that's one of my challenges now is to try to get people to understand that this has been going on for quite some time. It's actually been brought up in Congress. I got that clip here from Cynthia McKinney, and now it's a big issue, so we need to ask ourselves, why is it such a big issue now? Why do we need to worry about these specific girls? And like I said, it's a tragic story. I'm not taking anything away from the story. But understand that this has been going on for a very, very long time, and if you're very new to this, then um, then go back and, and look at some of these clips that I'm going to play. Go back and look at the congressional record. And this has actually been on record for a very long time. So when you're trying to convince me that this situation is different, I would say yes, it is different just given the geographical location. 
But child slavery, women's slavery has been going on for a very, very long time. And the majority of the time, it's going to be U.S. I swear, I wish I could just run one radio show where I don't have some kind of gremlin. Uh, I'm even using a, a different computer, so it's not the computer. I have no idea what's going on. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know where I got caught off in my train of, in my stream of consciousness. But once again, it, it is not about this particular situation. It is about the, the overarching theme that we're seeing here around the world. And now this little, this little incident needs to be. A springboard to the people that are very upset about this, you need to go back and look at history and look at what has been done here in not only your name but in the name of the UN and the guides of NATO and all these other organizations that have done this in the past. And so, yes, use this as a springboard to inform yourself on who runs these things. Why is this all happening? And I'm going to get into some BBC news that came out back in May about the Nigerian Central Bank, and I'm also get into um, some couple audio clips about corruption and this all really does tie into um, itself. Of course, the dark Luciferians would believe that this would be some kind of sacrifice, but I don't look at the um, I don't look at this particular situation as being something that is run by the occult. But um, other organizations and situations in the past have been linked to child kidnapping, to uh, women kidnapping, uh, human sacrifice, those types of things. So we do need to distinguish between real Luciferianism and the dark Luciferians. So uh, I know that um, from a Christian perspective, you guys believe that they're one and the same, and, and, and they're very much not. So I do want to get that out on the table so that we, we do understand what we're talking about here when it comes to certain avenues of life and, and perspective, because that's what it's all about. It is about your perspective and taking in information that you normally wouldn't take in and discussing it at a at a level that is um, leaving out emotion and trying to work through it logically, uh, working through the logical fallacies, the assumptions that we might have, and really producing a, a good idea of what's going on here on this planet. And yes, there are some things that are out of the realm from, from my experiences personally and from what I've um, understood to be true, that there are things that you cannot you cannot describe, you cannot explain that happen on this planet and maybe on different planes of existence. So it's very, very, it's very deep and it, I wish it was just some, I wish it was just something that we could go and rescue these girls and everything would go back to normal. But that's not the world that we live in. That is not the balance that we're trying to create here. If we want to try to create real balance, we need to understand the situation, understand who runs these things typically and then get to the bottom of it. And not let the media spin it out of control and spin you on to some kind of propaganda push to where you're going to be studying something or concerned about something that really isn't going to put you on the right track to solving the issue. Because at the end of the day, that's what it should be about. It should be about solving these issues. It should be about stopping these um, child kidnapping rings like uh, CPS that has been caught doing this. And, and even here in Georgia, Child Protective Services was caught doing this kind of stuff a long time ago. And so if it's really about the kids, if it's really about the women, then look at this situation once again as a springboard to get you into a, a, a sphere of knowledge to where you understand that this is not just a Nigerian thing. This is a global thing, and it is a global thing that has been going on for a long time, and the controlled media will not tell you about it. So you have to go out on your own and push for the information for yourself and develop a knowledge base, and then you might have – um, an idea of how we can stop this and how we can push it back. Because, hey, I'm all I'm all for setting these people free, but we need to we need to also apply it to our own daily lives and understand that this is not just once again not just a Nigerian thing, but this is worldwide and probably is happening in your town or in your community or even in your state and on some type of level. And it's being covered up by either local authorities, um, governmental organizations, like I've mentioned before. So. Need to push for the info, guys, and, and push yourself to believe not only that these things happen in far-off places, as our media would like to imagine them to be, or at least portray them to you, but, oh, that just happens in Nigeria, or oh, that just happens there. No, it probably happens on your doorstep, 
probably happens within your community. You're just unaware of it. So make yourself aware, and then we can move forward and start to create a better society for everyone. And we're also going into the the revenge of the cops, I guess is what we could call it, where there were 23 cops um, after a gentleman that um, that shot and killed a cop after robbing a convenience store. And so the way that the 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 gang of police and it was a gang. I mean, let's just face it. The way that this acted and this played out was this was a legal organized gang, and they went and murdered two people. But the way that the media is going to spin it and the way that they spin it at the end of the clip is that, well, the guy, if he would never have robbed the convenience store, then he would have never shot the cop, and then the cops would never have come and opened fire on his car. Now, you could make excuses for it all day as far as, well, you shouldn't have killed a cop, and you know this is really bad, and this is a really bad reflection of society. Yeah, and then the cops should take the moral high ground and not go and absolutely murder people in broad daylight because that sets a scary precedent because now you're giving the cops the authority to be judge, jury, and executioner part of the expression, but that is exactly what you're looking at. And do you want to live in a society like that? Do you want to live to where the cops could just pull up to you and be like, hey, you look like a guy that robbed a convenience store, and then three cops pull up and they just open fire on your car? No trial, no nothing. So that's what you have to ask yourself, and that's where we're trying to go with this. Once again, getting people to think, getting outside of the box, and shifting the paradigm and trying to utilize things like the Socratic method and, and, and things like that to where you're questioning all the time. You're questioning your own sense of reality. You're questioning your own way of thinking and the fact that now you can start to create a broader scope and, um, as Tom Campbell would say, a broader decision space to where you can start pulling more and more knowledge in and make more rational decisions and rational conclusions rather than emotional ones like we're conditioned to have here. And one of the things that I was going to get Josh on to talk about, and this will probably happen in a later show, is, um, is the right brain imbalance that we have here in America. And it is a heavily right brain imbalance, and it is part and partial to the conditioning that we see through public schooling, but the majority of it is pushed through media and how that all affects the outcome and the society that which we live in. It really does make a huge effect, and once you start understanding how to balance your left and right hemispheres of your brain to create a, a more um, fluid way of thinking – more rational way of thinking combined with the emotional side of it, which is good, but emotionally can typically be – it can be manipulated. It can be skewed. It can be a, a knee-jerk reaction, which is what we experienced here with the police. And once again, if they're supposed to be the – and I hate this term – if they're supposed to be law enforcement, then they should enforce the law and not enforce um, gang mentality or vigilante justice, which is exactly what this was. So let's get into some of the articles for the conversation today on the show. And once again, thank you so much for joining me. If you're making me a part of the Mother's Day Live special, then um, thank you very much. And if um, if your mother's near, give her a hug for you and um, let her know how much you care about them because uh, it is her and only her that is – well, not only her, but for the large part, it is her that is responsible for your existence on this planet. So make sure that they know that and make sure that they know – uh, that you do appreciate giving you the opportunity to come in and participate in this crazy world that we live in because it is absolutely nuts. So where to begin first? Let's talk about um, – let's set the stage first with the Nigerian corruption scandal and the Nigerian um, kidnapping. Now, Nigeria has had issues for a long, long time, um, and it, it is not new for African nations to – to have something like a corruption scandal or a kidnapping scandal or something like this. But this can actually be traced all the way back to about um, 2008, 2009, where you had a big corruption scandal. And this is a, a pretty long clip, so I'm probably not going to play all of it. But I'm going to play a portion of it to give you an idea of what we're going to go with. Then I'm going to play um, the Cynthia McKinney clip to where she interviewed – or excuse me, grilled Donald Rumsfeld – and then we'll tie it all back in together, and then we'll move on to – I think I'll move the satanic black mass till the end and, and see if I can't find some supporting um, supporting methodology from uh, Mark Passio or something like that to, to explain Satanism to people and explain the, the dark occult and, and what it means and how it really operates here in America and how the majority of Americans are probably Luciferian satanic worshipers, but they don't even know it. So anyway. 
Moving forward, here is the clip, and this is from um, World News Hour uh, in 2009. So here we go. Next, another take on Western money in the developing world. International corruption has been the focus of a nine-month investigation by our PBS colleagues at Frontline. Correspondent Lowell Bergman has this special report produced for the NewsHour on the damage done by large-scale bribery in Nigeria. Last September, in federal court in Houston, Texas, corporate America paid attention when this man, Albert Jack Stanley, pled guilty to bribery. Jack, you don't want to say anything? Stanley, the former CEO of KBR, then a subsidiary of the Halliburton Corporation, agreed to a record seven-year prison sentence for masterminding the payment of $180 million in bribes in Nigeria. Mr. Stanley's been cooperating and cooperated today. As a result, earlier this year, KBR and the Halliburton Corporation agreed to pay more than a half billion dollars in fines, the largest fine ever for international bribery by a U.S. company. This case has opened a window into the way multinational corporations do business in corruption-plagued Nigeria. The World Bank has reported that Nigeria has lost $300 billion over the last few decades due to corruption. I will not argue with them. $300 billion disappeared. Over a period of years. Olusegun Obasanjo was president of Nigeria from 1999 to 2007. Fighting corruption is like fighting a war in a battlefield. A former Nigerian general, President Abbasanjo, is a founding member of the anti-corruption organization Transparency International. Corruption, you would agree, is endemic in Nigeria. It is. Corruption is a cancer that must not be allowed to be in the body of a nation because it destroys. And that is what we were fighting against in Nigeria. In 2003, President Obasanjo appointed this man, Nuhu Urbadu, as Nigeria's first chief corruption hunter. We went after the very powerful people, the rich ones, those who were above the law. One of the governors, we think we took close to about 75% of the resources of the state. One governor took 75% of the money yeah. from the state government? And this is a state that is probably made over a billion dollars in terms of revenue. The governor diverted minimum 75% of that for himself, alone. Well, the people are living on $2 a day. That's it. Corruption has taken over the engine of government in Nigeria. It's what runs everything. The cost of this corruption is most evident here in the Niger Delta, the center of Nigeria's oil industry. But all that oil wealth does not reach the people who live in abject poverty with the land and water devastated by spills and the air poisoned by the constant burning of natural gas called flaring. All this the consequence of out-of-control corruption. And before you took office, no one, no company had been prosecuted in Nigeria Never. for bribery. Never. And you come in and you make how many cases? Thousands. And then we got convictions about 270-something. 270-something convictions. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. World record, I believe, by any standard, yeah. Ribadu says he went out of his way to set an example. No one was immune. You investigated your boss? The inspector general of police, yes, I investigated him. I seized $150 million from him and sent him to prison. And governors of some of the wealthiest state governments? Several. Didn't they try to bribe you? Several times, several. Indeed, I was, at one point, there was a particular incident where I was given $15 million cash. You were given this money? Directly. Former governor of one of the Niger Delta states in Nigeria, he gave me cash, $15 million, in bags, two heavy big bags, and I use it as evidence against him. But Rubadu says when it came to the really big payoffs, involving major multinational companies with bribes going to the top leadership of the country, he often felt powerless. Most of these things happen outside Nigeria. The documents are not in Nigeria. The money is not in Nigeria. The entire transactions do take place outside. 
That is the difficulty I face. The big chief executives that are not in Nigeria, the only time they go to Nigeria is to go and give somebody money. Which is exactly what the U.S. Justice Department found when they began to investigate the Halliburton KBR case as part of a crackdown on international bribery. The bribery scheme began more than a decade ago when KBR led a consortium of companies competing for the contract to build this massive $6 billion liquefied natural gas plant in the Niger Delta. The KBR consortium, led by Jack Stanley, would pay $180 million in bribes to a succession of Nigeria's leaders to secure that contract. It's one of the few cases we've seen where you've got all the players in a complex international structure of fraud, corruption, and uh, uh, self-enrichment. Veteran journalist Patrick Smith has followed the case. You see the sorts of things that corporate executives from the U.S. discussed. How much should I bribe a head of state? How much should I bribe uh, the chief of the army? So you see the whole system laid bare. The U.S. case reveals that in the mid-1990s, the first bribes went to Nigeria's brutal strongman, Sani Abacha, who set a new standard for corruption. His period was one of the darkest moments in the history of our country. We estimate that he took close to about $6 billion. $6 billion. Alone, single-handedly. The bribes fueled Abacha's excessive lifestyle, and his unusual death would become a metaphor for greed. And the story is that he took uh, an enormous amount of Viagra and then uh, was entertained by a succession of prostitutes from around the world in one sort of marathon sex session. And after that, he was left a wreck on the floor, foaming at the mouth, and that's where he was found. So there are various explanations. What was pretty clear was that the Nigerian elite, particularly his fellow generals, had decided they'd had enough of him, and a lot of people wanted Abacha dead. But after Abacha died, Jack Stanley continued the bribery scheme. And because of his success in landing big contracts, Stanley was promoted to become CEO of KBR in 1998 by the man who was then running Halliburton, Dick Cheney. Despite the fact that millions in bribes were paid while he was CEO, Cheney has always denied knowing anything about the bribery conspiracy. Oh, of course. And so far, Jack Stanley, according to sources, has not directly implicated his former boss. But Stanley has implicated former Nigerian President Obasanjo, who denies ever taking a bribe. You have been able to resist the temptations then? Well, I have been, I've been investigated and reinvestigated and reinvestigated, and nobody can find corruption around me. Because you know your critics say you're just too smart. Well, if it is being too smart, then somebody who is smarter should have found something. In the interviews we've done and in the public documents that are now in file in the United States, it does indicate that there were meetings that took place while you were president. No, I won't say that meetings were not taking place. But I've just told you that there were ministers in my own government that participated in corruption. It reached to your vice president, right? It reached to people in your own political party. I will not uh, say no. In fact, sources in the U.S. government say that Jack Stanley has revealed that he met face-to-face -face with then-President Obasanjo in 2001 about continuing the KBR bribery scheme. Nuhu Rabadu says that while he was unable to find any evidence implicating Obasanjo, he believes the Justice Department knows if the former president is, in fact, corrupt. And they know exactly what happened. Hopefully something will come out. I think it's only right and fair. Let the world know exactly what really happened and who are involved. The real tragedy, Ribadu says, is that $180 million in bribes could have saved lives in Nigeria. $180 million could build 100 hospitals. This $180 million could build 100 schools probably will provide thousands of kilometers of roads by African standard. Today, Rabadu is no longer hunting corruption in Nigeria. Soon after President Obasanjo left office, Rubadu himself was removed and became one of the hunted. He was chased down and shot at, but his bulletproof car saved his life. I survived it. They wanted to kill me.
if you fight corruption, it fights back. And I fought corruption in Nigeria, but I'm lucky. I'm out. They missed you. Very lucky. For now. He now lives in exile in the United Kingdom. As for KBR's Jack Stanley, he admitted to not only arranging the bribes, but also diverting millions from the bribe money into his own personal Swiss bank account. Imagine that. Stanley's testimony in this case has already resulted in additional indictments, and more are expected. So there you go, everybody. And I had to play the full clip because if if you're wanting to get down to the bottom of this, this is where it is all stemming from. Mega corporations with more money than the majority of international communities, I think that um, there are a lot of companies now in the United States, and I don't want to get the number wrong, but I think that um, – I think it's like 25 or 50 international companies now have larger GDPs than the rest of the in developed world. So just think about that for a minute. So understand how much power these people have. And when we're talking about the ruling class, it is not about the people that sit at the CEO position. It is about the people that have set up these corporations to do these types of things. You see, the ruling class is not stupid, and this is what um, Josh and I spent a lot of time about last night. See, they understand that if they run the triple or reverse flea flicker touchdown, as they do the majority of time, and that's why we're getting this spin and propaganda about these, um, once again, situation revolving the, around the girls is tragic, and so don't get me wrong there. But we're getting this spin and propaganda from the CIA director that says that we need to go in there with drones and all these other things and in order to help – you know, save the girls. And if you understand where the U.S. government resides on these things and where U.S. corporations reside, they are not looking to help. They are not. They are looking to secure what, – what was it about? The entire piece was about what? Liquid gas to create energy. It is all about controlling energy, controlling resources. So once we have, once we have reached that part of – of mental clarity about why these things happen, then we can start looking at the actual situation, not just on face value, but a little bit deeper, and then understand why it's happening. So now we're going to go to the Cynthia McKinney clip, and then I'm going to go to a um, – and this is just a, a pretty short clip, but um, I'm going to try to get her back on the show. I actually met her a couple of times. She's a really nice lady. So I'm going to try to get her on the show to talk about this, talk about her trip um, – to I think she went to Libya, so I'm gonna try to get her um, on the show so we can so we can have a chat about this because it's something she knows a lot about. So here we go, Cynthia McKinney. Um, let's see, 2006, and a hearing on C-SPAN. Once again, 2006, people. How many of you have heard about this? I know if you live in Georgia, all you heard about was how crazy Cynthia McKinney is. But the reason that she's considered quote-unquote crazy is it because she actually asked real questions, and now it's up to the media to demonize her and basically assassinate her character so that you don't ever look at her as a viable person. You just look at her as, oh, it's that crazy Cynthia McKinney, crazy Cynthia McKinney. It's just like when I worked with people at um, in my corporate job. I talked about Cynthia McKinney, and three of the gentlemen that were over the age of 40 were like, oh, my God, that girl's crazy. And I said, uh, why? And they just said, oh, she just is. And I, know, I said, no, 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 give me, give me legit, you know, legitimate explanations why she's crazy and, and what policies that she supported that you didn't like. And they didn't have any because they didn't form their own opinion. They didn't look at any information. They just took what the media gave them, and they fed it into their database and said, okay, Cynthia McKinney, crazy. Bada boom, done. And life is really simple if you live that way. But if you live that way, you have extreme right brain imbalance, and you're going to be emotional about every decision you make, and you're not going to use any kind of logical process to come to a conclusion. You're going to take whatever is at the first layer or whatever is spit at you by the corporate media or what you hear repeatedly, and that's going to become your belief system. So we need to change that. So here is Cynthia McKinney and Donald Rumsfeld about child kidnapping and Halliburton uh, back in 2006. So this is pre the 2009 Nigerian scandal. So here you go. I thank the uh, gentleman, the uh, gentlelady from uh, Georgia, Ms. McKinney. Oh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Secretary, I watched President Bush 
deliver a moving speech at the United Nations in September 2003, in which he, mission, he mentioned the crisis of the sex trade. The president called for the punishment of those involved in this horrible business. But at the very moment of that speech, DynCorp was exposed for having been involved in the buying and selling of young women and children. While all of this was going on, DynCorp kept the Pentagon contract to administer the smallpox and anthrax vaccines and is now working on a plague vaccine through oh, the Joint Vaccine Acquisition Program. Mr. Secretary, is it policy of the U.S. government to reward companies that traffic in women and little girls? That's my first question. My second question, Correct. Mr. Secretary, according to the Comptroller General of the United States, there are serious financial pro management problems at the Pentagon, to which Mr. Cooper alluded. Fiscal year 1999, 2.3 trillion missing. Hmm. Fiscal year 2000, 1.1 trillion missing. Hmm. And DOD is the number one reason why the government can't balance its checkbook. The Pentagon has claimed year after year that the reason it can't account for the money is because its computers don't communicate with each other. My second question, Mr. Secretary, is uh, who convenient. has the contracts today to make those systems communicate with each other? How long have they had those contracts? And how much have the taxpayers paid for them? Finally, Mr. Secretary, after the last hearing, I thought that my office was promised a written response to my question regarding the four war games on September 11th. I have not yet nope. received that re response, but would like for you to respond to the questions that I've put to you today, and then I do expect the written response to my previous question, hopefully by the end of the week. Um, thank you, uh, Representative. First, the answer to your first question is, is no. Absolutely not. The policy of the United States government is uh, clear, unambiguous, and opposed to, uh, to the activities that you described. The um, second question. Well, how do you explain the fact that um, DynCorp and its successor uh, companies have received and continue to receive government contracts? I would have to go and, and find the facts. But, uh, lawyer speak. Here we go. But there are laws and rules and regulations with respect to government contracts, and there are times that corporations do things they should not do, in which case they tend to be suspended for some period. There are times then that, that the, under the laws and the rules and regulations for the, that uh, passed by the Congress and implemented by the executive branch, that corporations can get off of the pen, out of the penalty box, if you will, and, and be permitted to engage in contracts with the government. They're, they're not generally not barred in perpetuity. This contract, this company um, was never in the penalty box. If you could proceed to my second question, please. The, um, the second question, uh, I've forgotten what the second question was. Sure I did. think Ms. Jonas knows it. Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Ms. McKinney. I appreciate it. So anyway, that was, once again, a, a crazy person asking questions about 9-11, asking questions about um, why does Halliburton still have government contracts when they've been caught doing bribes, laundering money, um, let's see, running child kidnapping rings all over the globe. Why do they still have government contracts? Because... That's the way the world works. You have to have your corporations do something, and then you have to have your CEOs at the very, very top with their plausible deniability nonsense in order to get themselves off or scapegoat somebody else or not be held accountable or however you want to put it. And then it just kind of gets swept under the rug or you know, goes away after a couple of months. So exactly what we saw with uh, John Corzine in the MF Global scandal where they had all this money go missing – and then they just basically kicked the can down the road and said they're going to have hearings, and they had a hearing, and then he just gave a bunch of lawyers speak throughout the entire thing. The exact same thing that Rumsfeld said is that typically any time that they get hit with the tough questions, they say that they have to go gather the facts, and then they will be able to produce a, a statement regarding those facts. And so 
it, it's amazing to me that you run a corporation, but yet – and you're about to be on trial, but you didn't gather any facts before you came here. You just said, I need to go find that out. I'll go find that out. I'll go find that out, and that's what you get. You get word games, and so that's why we're in the situation that we're in is because the – the people of this country and um, the people that are not paying attention allow this kind of stuff to go on, and it's – through the majority, it's no fault of their own. The media doesn't want you to get involved in this because the media is bought and paid for by large mega corporations that want to control the spin and don't want to get rid of these no-bid contracts, and they don't want to get rid of these things because they sub – they are you know, basically subsidiaries of these large mega corporations. And they do what the mega corporations need in order to protect their financial interest. Has nothing to do with giving you the news anymore, unfortunately. So let's move on now. Uh, this was an article in the BBC that was posted back in February 20th. Nigerian um, central bank head Lizando Sanusi ousted, and let's find out why. Nigeria's central bank governor, Lamando Sanusi, has been suspended by the president for financial recklessness and misconduct. So let's find out what happened. Sanusi caused shockwaves in Nigeria after he alleged that $20 billion in oil revenue has gone missing. You heard that right. $20 billion in oil revenue has gone missing. Nigerian state oil firm denied failing to account for the money, saying that the claim was unsubstantiated. Of course it was. Got to have more evidence. Sanusi is widely respected in undertaking reforms of the banking sector and was appointed in 2009. He created Central Bank Governor of the Year by 2010 by Banker Magazine. Oh, good for him. He told the BBC that his challenge and suspension would order to preserve the central bank's independence. Of course, because they're not part of the government. That's what central banking is. Foreign exchange bonds markets have stopped trading because of the uncertainty caused by the move in Reuters news agency reports. Uh, BBC's Will Ross and Lango said that uh, Sanusi's alleging allegations threaten to expose high-level fraud in Nigeria's notoriously opaque and corrupt oil sector. Absolutely, and we just got done hearing a, a big... Um, a big video report on that. So uh, I'm just going to leave this story to, to be, and we're just going to move on. But people, dig a little bit deeper, and you'll always find that it's typically about energy, about money, or a combination of the two. And that's where we need to have the conversation. Once we find all these little girls or whatever, we need to make sure to hold our government officials accountable. Once again, not that I believe wholeheartedly in the system, but I think that we can apply some pressure in certain situations to get the government to do uh, or at least behave themselves in a certain extent. Because what we can figure out what's going to have here, if you do have CIA operatives on the ground in this area, what's going to happen is that they're going to stay there, especially if oil or some kind of energy is um, is going to be there or has some way of being extracted from that nation. So you need to… Call your congressman if they get these people found, if they get these girls found, or after a given period of time. We need to make sure that the CIA is not planting people over there and going ahead and moving forward with a, a mild invasion of Africa, which it looks like we're kind of doing here, as uh, Lee Camp said on his moment of clarity um, from – I think it was from last week or the week before – um, and I don't have permission to play it from him, but I'm sure he wouldn't mind, but I want to get permission. So I might play that on the next show, or I'll put it in the link um, to, the, to the podcast notes here. So let's move forward, shall we? And I'll be sure to put that on there. So we've got about 20 minutes left, and I do want to get into this because this is where, um, this is where life starts to become very, very frightening at home, and that is – the 23 police that fired on uh, these men as they surrendered with their hands up, and then they continued to fire upon these people. So what you're looking at here, if these people are not uh, wardens of the state and if they are not um, sanctioned and contracted by the state in order to perform law, quote-unquote, enforcement duties, then uh, they are regular human beings with firearms, and that's what they should be looked at. And they should not be looked at people with special privileges because they have um, badges and uniforms on. They should be held to the same ethical standards that we are, and that is the fact that if 23 people open fire on a car in the middle of Atlanta, um, those people are all criminals. And I understand that one of your own got shot and killed, and that's a very, very ter terrible thing. 
but you need to take the moral high ground. And these guys were not armed, and they had their hands up, and they were still shot upon. So what does that mean? It's vigilante justice, and there should be um, punishments for these people that did this. And I understand that your job is extremely dangerous. Believe me, I understand that. And I understand that with the, with the society that this government creates by making all these drugs illegal and creates a, a fervor and a society around drugs, violence, and the threat of violence and coercion by everyone upon one another instead of promoting peace and promoting free exchange with one another and promoting um, not just equality but, um, but equal treatment under the guise of the law, just like we were, um, we've talked about before on this show that um, – you have 13% of the population, which is the black population, um, 13 or I think it's around 30% of those um, – 30% of the 13 um, utilize, um, utilize drugs, but then uh, a staggering 60% of them are the prison population. So the, the system is prejudiced, and the system in the United States is now becoming predatory, and the reason that you can see that it's becoming predatory is because of things like this. This is, this is a predatory class. It is turning into a class of people that believe that they can go around and do these things. Now, if you want to get even deeper down the rabbit hole with this, I would go and research what's going on in Arizona because this is an extremely, extremely um, high-risk situation out in Arizona because cops have been killing people. And once again, it's, this is the only thing that the state can bring. The only thing that the state can bring to resolve conflict is violence. It is not, it is not you know, taking somebody in for questioning. It is not sentencing them to the death penalty or whatever they find is the, is the proper sentence. It, it is vigilante justice, and this is what the state is going to keep bringing if you let this, let this stuff spiral out of control, which it already is. So we need to rein it in. Um, there are a lot of good cops out there. A lot of my friends are cops. So I understand that, once again, I understand your job is very dangerous, but keep your wits about you. And, and this kind of stuff in a, in, a, in a peaceful society is not acceptable, and nor should it be acceptable. So everybody should be outraged about this, and not just for the two people that got shot, but for the precedence it sets and, and where we could go moving forward from this kind of, um, from this kind of uh, ordeal as we see all these armor, um, these these local police departments getting armored vehicles, SWAT units, those types of things, this may become more and more prevalent. And if it does, then the citizens need to do something. The citizens need to say something, just like what's going on out in Arizona. The citizens are standing up, and, and at the end of the day, once again, everybody, look yourself in the mirror. It comes all down to what you do and how you, how you go about changing society that you live in. It has to start mentally with you first. You have to understand that we do have a problem, and then you have to understand how did we get here and what are the causes and then what the causes and effects of the system itself. And the majority of it can be blamed on, um, on television and popular culture. Why? Because that's controlled by the power elite, and that's what they want you to – they push the culture that they want, not the culture that we want. We want a culture of peace, freedom, prosperity, financial equality, which is – which is always done through regulated markets and always done through things of giving people equal opportunities to succeed and not giving people government handouts. Now, once again, there's a difference between a hand up and a handout, and I don't want to get into that because a hand up would be something that would get you back on your feet in order for you to be, um, um, be pushed back into society to get your, to get your, um, your own business going or to get, to, to get yourself on the right track. Uh, financially with a job or something like that. But a handout creates a, a decadent society. It creates a, a dangerous society in the fact that it creates expectations for people um, for little effort. And anybody that knows anything about how the universe works, uh, you typically will never get um, something with no effort. You have to put effort in to get the results that you want, and that is, once again, all the part of human action and the fact that we have to be in the arena, we have to be talking to people, you have to be engaging in one another, you have to be um, out of your comfort zone. I don't care if the status quo tells you you're not supposed to talk about these things. Talk about it. Screw the status quo. 
The status quo is the reason that we're here. The status quo is the reason that we reflect a lot of what happened in Soviet Russia circa 1916-1930. So understand, if you studied history, that what we're seeing, corporatism, fascism, whatever you want to call it, put whatever label on it you want, the integration of state and corporate powers, and the corporate power structure, the oligarchy, if you will – remember those clips from the last episode – the oligarchy setting the precedent of what the society is going to be. And what oligarchs always want? Power, control domination. They do not want free, equal society. They don't want equal opportunity. They want equal outcome, and they want you to be dependent. They want to create a new slave class, and that's where we're headed. So anyway, here is the, uh, here's the audio clip for the uh, – the video is much more pronounced, so if you have time, go check out the video um, in the show notes, and I'll post those right after the show this afternoon. So look for those here. Um, once again, thank you for listening, everybody, and making me a part of your Sunday. And um, unfortunately, it's a really – it's a really depressing show for Mother's Day, so don't listen to this with your mom if you're going. Go out and do something fun with your mom. Get outside. Um, go make her feel special today because they are special people. So here we go. Watch this. Terrifying images South Florida will never forget. A man on a drug-fueled rampage robs a store, then shoots an officer. But what happens next? No one ever expected. Shooting is wild, man. It's shooting all over the place, man. And by Sorry, 5 a.m. on December 10th, every cop in South Florida was looking for Adrian Montesano. CBS 4 News has spent the last five months piecing together what happened when police finally found him just before sunrise. And as CBS 4 investigator Jim DePeeney shows us, as bad as it was, it could have been far worse. I'm going to go home. He's going to South Florida. Yeah, the occupied by a white male, Adrian Montesano, in a few conscious subject is armed. Speeding south on 27th Avenue, the Volvo turns left on the 66th Street, and a quick right on 26th Avenue. Adrian Montesano crashed into the fence of this housing complex, wedging the car between a tree and a light pole. Less than a minute after the crash, you can hear gunfire over the police radio. The scene was chaos. Officers had no idea that Montesano had a passenger in a car with him, 50-year-old Corsini Valdez. Both men were unarmed, trapped in the Volvo and going nowhere when police started shooting. Hmm. Meanwhile, in the neighboring townhouses, more than a dozen families, including some 20 children, cowered in their homes. Do you have anything on here? Body armor and helmet. Shot fired before the police. The gunfire that police officers north of the car were dodging gave them newly arriving officers south of the car. Bullets were sprayed everywhere. They hit the Volvo. Other cars in the lot, fence posts and neighboring businesses. They blasted holes in a townhouse. Anthony Vandiver lives in that townhouse. Shooting is wild, man. It's shooting all over the place, man. You know, first they came through the window, anything could have happened, man. They wasn't thinking, man. It wasn't thinking at all. Now that the car was surrounded, the plan was to bring in SRT, the special response team, and have them take over. Inside his house, Anthony Vandiver used the temporary quiet to race upstairs and check on his family. He said he looked out his bedroom window, which looked directly down onto the blue Volvo below. He said he could hear the police yelling at the men in the car. They say, put your hands up, and the guys are still moving after they shot, like maybe 50, 60 times. Right. And the guy tried to put his hands up, and as soon as they put their hands up, they erupted it again. Oh. And that was it. Yeah. That guy tried his best to get up. You actually looked out your window and saw the driver with his hands in the air? Not on everything else. My kids, my mama, everything. I seen it all. And it went on and on. Almost 25 seconds of unrelenting gunfire. In all, 23... So there you go. And then at the end of the clip, they... Um, here, I'll see if I can skip to the end of the newscast. So you guys can hear what the uh, reaction is. But this is, um, this is uncalled for. important to remember that none of this would have happened Damn. if Adrian Montesano had not made his... Sorry. So all over the gate, just shoot, we have the shooting spree. 
Yep. Well, it's important to remember that none of this would have happened Damn. if Adrian Montesano had not made the decision to rob the Walgreens and shoot a police officer. Oh, uh, see, you know, it's the victim's fault. It's the victim's fault that the cops came and, and absolutely lit his car up and and shot 300 and something bullets into his car because he robbed a liquor store a week ago and shot a cop. So it's his fault. Vigilante justice, everybody. If a, if, if a normal, everyday citizen did this, you would be in jail for 25 to life because that's murder, what they did. Vigilante justice is murder. And so, once again, setting a scary, scary precedent here in the United States that the cops can just show up, not even tell you to, to get out of the car, not even see if you're armed, nothing. They just pull up, block you in, get out, and open fire on the car. Absolutely terrifying. But once again, this isn't all police departments, but you need to be aware of this kind of situation, and it's, it's just a really scary precedent. And these people need to have a trial. Anybody that was involved there, anybody that was involved in the shooting, anybody that was first on the scene needs to be put on trial. And you can't sit up there and lie under oath just like they always do. They tell you how to play these little lawyer games so you can – and cops don't think that I don't know about this stuff. I mean come on. I mean I'm a well-researched individual. I understand that you can – you have tactical ways that you can lie on the stand and get away with it. We understand that. But the citizenry shouldn't put up with this. So once again, it always falls back onto us, the individual, and we have to do what we can do in order to make this society a little bit better. All right, so – now that I've said that, I'm going to end with the Satanic Black Mass, as ironic as that sounds. So I do want to play this clip, and I do want to play a clip from Mark Passio where he talks about solipsism and what that is and about how that plays into the big, um, the big, scheme, of, um, the big scheme of Satanic um, satanic practices or dark practices, however you want to look at it. So here is the clip from um, Fox 25, and I'll put all these in the notes so you guys can share them with people you want to um, have a conversation with about this because, um, you know, I could have sworn we had freedom of religion in this country, but it's always uh, if, if it's socially acceptable. You know, you can, you can be a Muslim as, as long as, you know, you're not, um, you're not scaring anybody. You don't have a beard or something like that. It's like there is a there is an innate fear generated by the media fervor that that will demonize certain certain groups indirectly, so that it creates this predetermined pre or pre-programmed stigma for these individuals and these groups, where everybody that sees anybody that sees somebody that's a Muslim will automatically think not necessarily everybody, but let's say a a um, a, a large constellation of the Fox News. Um, listeners that will see a Muslim will absolutely think that person is a terrorist and probably is going to blow up something. With if you look at Muslim faith, they're actually um, a little bit more. Um, let's see, they're a little bit more conservative when it comes to even their banking practices. Look into what a Muslim thinks about banking, and then you look at a Christian. It's, it's just very, very odd. It's very odd. They don't think that you should make money off a loan because oh my God, look at that. They don't think that you should make money off a loan, which is terrorism in america so anyway moving on here is the um here is the black mass to be reenacted at a bar on harvard and kudos to harvard once again um not saying that you guys are are great because of um your past traditions and who you were set up by and all of that fun stuff and the oligarchs but um let's talk about uh, them actually supporting the first amendment and saying that yeah we really don't um anyway i'll let you guys hear it so here we go playing the clip it's called a satanic black mass and it's about to all right pause first of all it is not called a satanic black mass you moron it is just simply called a black mass now catholics can get up there and do their white masses all the day and they can have blood sacrifice and they can have you eating the body of the of the christ figure and that's okay that's completely okay because that's not blood sacrifice because nah, it's catholic and oh by the way Catholics actually set up the majority of satanic churches around the world, but let's not talk about that either, because it's just a different side of the religion of Christianity, but, oh, bigger topic for a different day. So, here we go. ...happened at Harvard University. The event billed as an historic reenactment. Not everybody's on board with this. Our Jared Holbrook is here to explain. Hi, Jared. Hi, Maria. The Archdiocese of Boston is upset about the event. They're hoping He's Harvard upset. reconsiders. Probably because he didn't get the invite. Happening, happening on campus, it doesn't appear school administrators will be getting involved. 
A Harvard University student club is hosting a satanic black mass reenactment to celebrate witchcraft and satanic worship. The ritual is expected to take place at an on-campus bar May 12th, and the Harvard Extension Cultural Studies Club will be hosting. The performance will be conducted by the Satanic Temple, a group known to stir up controversy. We spoke to their leader by phone. So will part of this ritual be mocking other religious beliefs? Which is a leading question, which is terrible journalism, but we'll continue. Well, that's more of a creation of the, the religions that decry it themselves. Would that be a yes or a no? Once again, they're trying to create this idea, this illusion, that there are good and bad religions. And yes, there are elements of of dark satanic rituals that are very, very um, – that are trying to channel evil energy. But if somebody's a true Satanist and they think that solipsism is evil, then then that's really an, an, an intellectual move. But once again, you, you can't explain that to a lot of people. But I, I hope that you're open-minded enough to go research what I'm talking about from the Luciferian perspective and um, understand that, hey, Freemasons, if you're listening to this, you guys are Satanists too. But anyway, moving on. Well, it's a, it's a partial. It's a, it's a qualified. It's a qualified, yes, they're going to view it as mocking. The Archdiocese of Boston is firing back with this response. The Catholic community in the Archdiocese of Boston expresses its deep sadness and strong opposition to the plan to stage a black mass on the campus of Harvard University in Cambridge. They go on asking believers to pray for those involved in the event and that Harvard disassociates itself from the activity. Lucian Greaves says if someone is going to be offended, they don't want them participating. We don't want to throw it in their faces either. This is a, this is a closed group setting, and this is something for the people who embrace it. Greaves says the reenactment will feature commentary and historical context, and at one point a host will be used. According to him, they will not use a consecrated host. No, we don't ascribe to supernatural. Our statistic construct is such that we bow to no gods, and we don't subscribe to any supernatural belief. So for us, at the end... See, true Luciferians, they don't bow to any god, and they don't espouse to any, any religious beliefs. So remember, pure intellect and anti-solipsism, which I would agree with them on. At the day, the host is just a cracker. Most students we spoke to at random say, while they may not agree, they appreciate the school's philosophy. So I have no issues against that. In fact, uh, the more open campus we have, uh, that fosters more environmental, uh, you know, environment that's open for all. The Harvard Extension School says the school does not endorse the views or activities of any independent student organization, but we do support the rights of our students and faculty to speak and assemble freely. We also reached out to the Harvard Extension Cultural Studies Club for comment. They never got back to us. Jared Holbrook, Fox 25 News. Jared, thank Okay, so now let's learn about solipsism really quick with the with – the, oh, my gosh, I've only got a minute. All right, I'm going to do a few minutes of overdrive, so it'll take maybe two or three minutes. So if you're listening live, you can actually find me on um, wearenotcattle.net. You can listen 90 to seconds. It should be only a minute or so. So thank you for listening, everybody, if we get cut off because it is going to, to run over the break. So thank you for listening. Remember, get a friend, get informed, get involved. Um, check out my YouTube channel, We Are Not Cattle TV. Um, stay tuned. Next Sunday, I'm going to have an interview with a um, with the with the person from Mountain Air Organic Beds. It is a very fascinating story. the The business model is incredible, and the product is great as well. And the reason that it's become more and more popular, and we'll get into some of the the challenges with memory foam and all that stuff moving forward. So be sure to look forward to that. And I will be interviewing uh, Thomas Campbell on the 28th of this month. So look for that as well, and I will post. Uh, I already posted the Lee Camp interview to the to the YouTube channel, but I will be playing the audio here one of these days. So thank you everybody for listening. Remember, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Uh, share the message with people you know, people you like, and people that you want to get out of the status quo and you want to join the conversation. And let's have a um, philosophical debate and a new renaissance intellectually, and try to reverse some of these negative effects of hardcore right brain imbalance. So thank you for listening, everybody, and now on to Mark Passio and his definition of solipsism and why it is such a dangerous, dangerous thing Ten seconds. society here in America. And this is what the New Age hopes is peddling to people, okay? So, great quote that I thought accurately sums it all up. See, she, this woman also told me that she is a follower 
quote-unquote, of the uh, New Age ideology that is referred to as the Course in Miracles. How many people have even heard of this? A lot of people. Okay? You know what that is? It's called solipsism, wrapped in a nice, neat new package. Solipsism. How many people are familiar with the ideology called solipsism? Good. More than I would have thought. Most people have never heard of this. Okay? Solipsism is a completely egoic and destructive ideology that has absolutely no bearing or resemblance to truth in any way. And the people who are solipsists are mentally ill. I'm not even going to provide any evidence of that. I'm telling you, you need to research this religion and sickness for yourself. It's a mental illness. A solipsist is a mentally ill person who should probably be somehow removed, segregated from society, and institutionalized until they are made well, because they are a destructive influence on society. This is what I focused on on podcast number one of my podcast series and radio shows. I went into the ideology of what solipsism is and how destructive it is and how it's a religion. Okay? What this is, well, first of all, let's look at the word. And you'll, you'll notice I'll be breaking down words all day long. Because if you don't understand where words came from, you don't really understand what they really were intended to mean. Regardless of whatever connotation they may have taken on in the modern world, the intended meaning of the word, the original meaning, is derived from its etymological derivation. You need to go into the ancient languages, Latin and Greek roots and other languages, Germanic, Arabic, etc., and you need to break down the words from their etymological origins. Then you will understand their real meaning. And I'm telling you, you do this, and the top of your head will blow off by what you will find, by what words we speak on a daily basis actually mean, and we have no idea what they mean. Okay? So the word solipsism comes from the Latin adjective solus, which means alone or one. And then the Latin pronoun ipse, which means self, myself, etc. Okay? The ideology of solipsism is that nothing exists outside of me. I'm the only being that exists in creation. Or essentially, it's another way of saying I'm God. Okay? That my perception is the only real perception, and no one else is here. Now imagine that. Now, what I'm, tell what I'm essentially telling the audience here today is your perceptions are not the truth. You have to work to align your perceptions with the truth. Amen. That's damaging enough to the human ego. Okay? If I just said, none of you exist, I'm only perceiving your existence. I'm the only one who exists. Imagine how egoic that statement is, and actually how demoralizing it is to other people. You're even telling them, I don't even consider that you exist. That's what a solipsist is. They believe the universe is a big illusion created for somehow for their amusement. And that there's no objective reality that you don't exist, you don't exist, you don't exist, you don't exist. I'm the only one who exists. And that's not mental illness. We don't diagnose that as mental illness. Okay? I don't care if you want to accept the notion everything is one. I personally accept that notion. I do accept that we are all one. That doesn't mean you're not existent in the physical domain right now as I'm talking to you. Of course we all exist here. We are in the physical domain. Okay? The whole point is these people want to believe the entire spiritual do uh, physical domain is such an illusion that nothing that takes place in it matters or has any significance and should just be watched, and nothing should be done to change it. And you know, well, let me explain what this is, folks. When I was a Satanist, okay, and I was working inside the Church of Satan and other dark occult organizations, they have a, they have a set of sins, believe it or not. They don't look at them as sins in the same way that, like, you know, religionists look at sin. They have the things that, these are behaviors and thought patterns that should not be engaged in by the dark occultist themselves, by the magician, if you will. You are not to engage in these behaviors, but we are to peddle them to other people. We are to get them to engage in these behaviors. Okay? You know what the first one is? No, it's not. That's the, that's the second or third. I think it's the third, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the list handy, but... The first one is stupidity. That's the first satanic sin. Okay? For 
the dark occultist, but they want other people in deep stupidity. They want other people in deep ignorance. The idea here is we will know it all. We will know the truth so that we can control others and keep them a dumbed-down herd. Okay? There's a bunch of other ones, but I think the second or third is solipsism. Solipsism is one of the biggest sins for, for Satanists and dark Luciferians and dark occultists. They don't, want any, they don't want any of their membership believing in this mental illness nonsense. Okay? But they want to pro propagate it and peddle it. They want to do that. And they, they told me personally, higher-ups in this network told me personally when I was working with them, wait until you see the New Age books that we, our membership, will be writing, or either writing ourselves or putting into the hands of useful dupes to write and put out there. We'll be giving them the idea, they'll write it for us, put it out there as their own idea. So there you go, everybody. And, I, and there's more to it, but um, that will give you the gist of, of what we were talking about here and about how they utilize the idea and the ideas to push onto the masses to create a, an intellectual stuntedness and through the educational system here in America and through um, religious, um, religious practices, especially by the megachurches, in order to push you into a, a confined box so that you don't experience um, spiritual enlightenment, emotional enlightenment, and, um, and cognitive enlightenment as well. So that's it for the show, everybody. Remember, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Uh, thank you for listening. Be sure to share the podcast with people you know, people you like. Like me on Facebook, like my Twitter, or follow me on Twitter, however you want to say it. And um, check out my YouTube show. So thanks again, everybody. Uh, remember, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And uh, we'll see you next Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Take care, everybody.